Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, the fourth and final season of Titans. Brendan Thwaite, Anna Giop, Tegan Croft, Ryan Potter and Joshua Orpin return from the previous seasons. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, um... We have a full cast. You can see this one right off the bat. I will not address because I remember the previous season. You could feel the the COVIDness of it, where everyone had been split up to small teams and kind of doing like three different groups on three different adventures that eventually coalesced. Thankfully, we didn't have that this season. You know, they didn't. Those restrictions were lifted. Everyone was on set. Everyone was doing their own thing. Um, that being said, it did feel a little rehashy off the first season, given the fact, uh, the nature of the villain for the season, which is the other child of Trigon, which is, it's of course, Raven's whole deal, um, which, gotta say, wasn't into it from the start, <laughs> unfortunately, for the season. Yeah, I mean, for for me, it was reminding me a lot of Jeff Johns, which I guess has been an influence for the show, not tonally, because I think I said it more during our season three review than I did seasons one and two. The use of bad language in this show, and like it does make it unlike any other DC show, except for maybe Doom Patrol. But they yeah. are different characters, they're not Nightwing, Beast Boys. There's just something about these characters swearing. So tonally, not quite Jeff Johns, although he is one of the people that developed the show with Akiva Goldsman and Greg Berlanti. But Jeff Johns, he had that great run on Teen Titans when you had Superboy join the team. And we get to the point where he's got Superman, Lex Luthor. They're the two people he was cloned from, and he shaves his head. Just like he did in this show, Jeff Johns really leaned into Brother Blood in in his comics. I think it came out at like the early 2000s, maybe 2003. So this show, it does feel a lot of that. I do get what you're saying, but it kind of also feels like it's coming full circle. It yeah, does there feel is like that. that first season because, again, this is the final season, and they knew ahead of time, which is a good thing. So it wasn't a cliffhanger waiting for a fifth season. They knew ahead of time, and it does close off what was DC Universe. You know, the streaming service that was US only, and it was yeah, it was uh, like cross-media, so it was film, TV, comics, and it, it started with Titans, Stargirl, Swamp Thing, and they do find a way in the ninth episode. What was it called? Dude, where is my gar? Where's my gar? Yeah. Where's my gar? Great episode title. And they do find a way to have nods and reference the other DC Universe shows and randomly just show a quick scene of Shazam, which just seemed really odd. I think it's on the first movie as yeah. well. Uh, yeah. And. I I like those things. I like that they have an episode with Doom Patrol in there as well. Um, wrapping up Gar's own personal journey. It just 
all of the Brother's Blood stuff, it's not even that he's a bad villain or a bad concept. It's just that I felt like it kept getting stretched out. I'm like, oh, just, I I feel like it should have been partially resolved and they thought they were all right and got distracted by something else. And when they were distracted, it should have come back in. You know, some like little mini bridging storyline mid-season because uh, Mother Mayhem, uh, that whole thing bugged the crap out of me. I just, it's not like she was badly portrayed. It's just that the writing, I'm like, Brother Blood in this show, played by Joseph Morgan, playing Sebastian Blood, or he has a, I can't remember, I haven't written down what his other surname is before the blood. Um, Sebastian Sanger. Yeah. He has a desire to make a video game. He's looking for connection. He's had a lack of connection his whole life. And Mother Mayhem, his actual birth mother, is pure manipulation from the get-go. The whole time, I just couldn't believe he would follow her. Because I'm like, it's not the sort of connection you're looking for. You found that with your sister, Raven, and the, the, the openness of the Titans. I just don't believe you would go that way. I didn't believe it when it happened. And then, you know, they're like, then they did the thing of like, oh, She's gonna attack the Titan and possibly kill the Titans, so he goes to protect them. And then I'm like, I just didn't feel the turn come. I didn't feel like warranted. Didn't have the weight necessary. And it just, unfortunately, is that that the nature of modern streaming shows where they've trimmed down the season to to fit the story. This felt like the hangover of like, yeah, but we have to fill twelve episodes, so we've stretched it twelve episodes. Um, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of good stuff in here. I like uh, when Tim goes to Gotham on a, a fake errand. And it's all just training by Dick that he wants Jason Todd to run him through his uh, his paces and uh, see if he's actually like ready. Like that's great stuff. Um, Beast Boy actually transforming to something that wasn't just a green tiger every single episode. <laughs> uh, and yeah. The introduction of the red, which was from the uh, the Scott Snyder and uh, who's the other writer who came up with the Jeff red? Lemire. It was those Jeff two Lemire. together. But uh, Animal Snyder, Man and Swamp Thing. Yeah, Snyder was on Swamp Thing. Lemire was on Animal Man, and yeah, that, and that made Animal Man into a darker, more tragic character. His connection to the red and then Swamp Thing to the green. They did great thing. That was a highlight of the New Fifty Two. New yeah, 52, and... a lot of it went wrong, but Snyder's Batman, Animal Man, Swamp Thing was really was really strong. And you're right, that's what we're getting in the show. So when they're doing things like that, it's really working. And just what you said about Tim training with Jason, that was excellent. And we knew ahead of time Tim Drake would become the new Robin, the third Robin. And the suit, the costume looked fantastic they did a really good job of that he's got the bow staff so when you've got the former robin the new robin training that is great everything to do with the red but just to go back to what you were saying about mother mayhem brother blood you're right his motivations i was thinking i don't think he would do that i do agree with you but at the same time 
with this we've seen this type of story before tv film it was obvious what the show was going to do you knew at some point mother mayhem would overstep and die you knew no matter what was put in brother blood's way he was going to go down a dark path become the big bad so that's all very predictable what wasn't predictable we get lex luther in the first episode played by titus welliver fantastic it's clearly what they're doing with lex now aren't they ever since yep. john cryer bald with a beard the new lex yeah. and, in but, superman and lois though i know they're going to put hair somewhere i guess just to give yeah. you something different but titus welliver i'm like holy shit this is interesting yeah. what are they, they going to do episode. i know because i'm like <laughs> what are they going to do dead hang on what yeah <laughs> yeah i'm like no, no, no. i wanted to coming. see his manipulation i wanted to see his like intelligence i wanted to see more of it he had such presence i wanted more and the fact that they took him out and then it's just talking about oh he's it was all like oh his plans behind the plans you're like no 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 no. i i, I wanted this from lex not from his yeah. underlings even mercy like it's not the mercy i prefer i like the like the the car driving like half butler half bodyguard yeah, yeah that's woman. right is yeah. she a robot or yeah. cyborg is she actually a woman i love all that stuff from the the animated series absolutely that's my favorite mercy and we didn't have that we had a very competent very intelligent woman with no, with none of the edge none of the danger i'm like oh, yeah it's a shame you did a good job you just yeah natalie uh gumelia or gumel but you're not my mercy. My mercy is dangerous. Like we'll we'll take a gun and stick it in Superman's face to protect Lex, even though that would co- totally get her like her slapped. Like yeah, so that's mercy in my yeah. head. Yeah. So they didn't quite get her, but Lex Luthor tight as well. And that yeah, he was fantastic and gutting that we didn't get more of him, but he does set Superboy. Connor on this new path. He's yeah. wearing a business suit. He shaved his head. Like and, he's being Lex Luthor and Yeah, and it, they do interesting things with him, like because it keeps changing sides. And then, you know, he's essentially being Lex. I just say, you know, yeah. playing so many steps ahead. And there's some moments where you're like, oh, maybe he is gonna go all in and leave the Titans behind, but that's not what they do. I've got to say, with his character, across all four seasons, one of the biggest missed opportunities is not having Superman on this show. We yeah. got the the Nightmare Batman sequence in season one before they cast, who was it? It was Glenn, somebody, the guy. Was it Glenn? He was in Game of Thrones before. Yeah. Blanking on um, his name. Yeah. But he yeah, was a uh, good older Bruce Wayne. And was it the second season where he did the Batsui yep. dance in that yeah. dream sequence, which was really Yeah, and he was really all cool. suave and weird, but I, I, it just worked for me for some reason. It worked for me too. I liked that. So it's even, you know, just like with Lex, like one episode or just because we do get Superman in the finale, but it's just his boot when he's, gonna, yeah. he's teaching Connor to fly. And it just seemed like a missed opportunity 
not just for this show, but the portrayal of Superman, because we've read the comics when Connor yeah. first came on the scene. If Superman knew he was out there, like no matter what iteration of Superman it is, he would have been there for Connor. And this show doesn't give you that. Well, they kind of do at the end, but they just show you a red boot. And then the final shot of the whole show, it it ends, it starts the end credits, and then it cuts to Connor just flying. And it reminded me a little yeah. bit of Henry Cavill in Man of Steel when he's, he's first embracing flight and... I don't know. I think, yeah, yeah, I think Superman is a big problem on this show because you've got a character in Connor and he's, other than wearing the business suit for some of the episodes of this season, he's got the Superman symbol on his T-shirt the whole time. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's a problem they didn't have with uh, Donna Troy because Donna Troy isn't going around calling herself wonder girl. <laughs> it's yep. It, it seems, it seems like such a strange thing, but in the comics since the seventies, she's been Donna Troy. Like, you know, like she was a, a, her own established character. In fact, there's been a wonder girl since her, like Cassie, who's more wonder girl than she ever was. And she was a very, she's also missing this season. Where did she go? We know she's not dead. Like they resolved that in season three. Oh, she left the Titans. Ah, I feel like for something like this, she would have popped back up. Like, you know, this is like, especially with that, you know, like full circle thing, it felt like a big gap there. But it's like, what, is she too strong? You already had two strong people. And like, she's too competent. Is that what it is? And that, I don't know. And sometimes, yeah, the writers may feel as though it's going to hurt their story because it no longer makes sense if somebody can just come in and do what she could do. Yeah, and just um, save the day but, essentially. Yeah, even like a like a, oh, I wish I could, but I'm busy. There's uh something happening over here. There's nothing to like explain why they didn't reach out to some of their other friends who are still alive. Um, like, yeah, we're we're trying to stop an apocalypse. Oh yeah, I'm too busy. Like, <laughs> end of the world this... type stuff. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, you know, it's a it's yeah. a really it's a really big thing. Did you hear with Ryan Potter? He wasn't even sure at first if he was going to come back for the fourth season because of how they used Beast Boy. I think it might have just been in the third season. He just felt like his character was being a bit underutilized. And the idea of a fourth season is like, well, if I am going to come back, like I want I want Gar to be able to have more backstory and to actually play an integral part of moving the story forward. So it was Potter and Jeff Johns, the two of them that actually wrote the ninth episode, Dude, Where's My Gar? They wrote it together, which I thought was was pretty cool. Mentioned a couple of the cameos already, but I've got a list here. They There is so many, you may have not even noticed all of them. It starts with... Grant Gustin as Barry Allen. Now, this is a clip from The Flash, and I know this because after this episode aired, somebody asked Grant Gustin about it, and he had no idea it featured in <laughs> Titans. So <Yeah. laughs> uh, Derek Mears as Swamp Thing from his self-titled series. Again, you do get that clip of Zachary Levi as Shazam. Asher Angel as Billy Batson, but that is voice only. Greb Kipes as Beast Boy. We get that clip of Teen Titans Go. 
which yep. was pretty, pretty waffles, cool. Waffles, waffles, waffles. <laughs> <laughs> Kaylee Kuoko as Harlequin from the animated series. Joaquin Phoenix, Arthur Fleck. Uh, Jack Nicholson, Joker. Ben Trait as Kent Nelson. Apparently that's from Smallville. Glenn Ford, I did hear that. Jonathan Kent from Superman, the movie in 78. Cesar yep. Romero, Joker from 66. So just on this, right, it's cool, isn't it? But we also knew The Flash was right around the corner. And I know you yep. haven't seen it, and I won't spoil it for anybody that has seen it, but The Flash movie is dealing with different universes. We know this, or you would know this, from seeing Michael Keaton in the trailer. So we've known for a long time The Flash was going to do this. They're doing it here. We've got Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse for Marvel, animated, live action. We've got Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We've got Spider-Man, No Way Home. It's a lot, isn't it? I feel a like... A lot of multi-universes, yeah. Yeah, and we've got, you know, what's going on with Loki. We're getting season two, the variants. It's been fun. It has been fun, but I'm hoping both Marvel and DC can get to the point where they've well and truly done it, and I feel as though they should be there very soon. And just not do it for a while. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah, it's been that thing of DC rushed to it, funnily enough, because Marvel went there as like a get-out-of-jail card. They needed something bigger than Thanos. Uh, and they expended a bunch of characters, and it felt like this was their, like, all right, you know what we can have? We can have that version of the character from another universe where they'd still be alive, played by a different actor. It solves a lot of uh, logistic problems, and, you know, you just have to explain what the whole concept is to the audience. Unfortunately, they've explained it to an exhausting degree, and it's every single one of their projects. Quantumania touches on it. We have all the Kangs and a bunch of other stuff. DC don't feel like it didn't feel like they were there yet. On the TV side, they are though. The TV side they've touched on it. The Arrowverse is a multiverse, so I don't feel like it's as bad on the TV side on the for DC. But the fact that I know the Flash goes there, I'm like, you didn't even get your own universe off the ground before you already went multiversing, like it. Felt like they were running to catch up. Ironically, again, that was a flash <laughs> to Marvel, yeah. but Marvel had no choice. They kind of burned through a bunch of their stuff, and they needed a new fountain from which, or a new source from which to draw new stories, bigger stories, because they'd gone so large with the Infinity Saga uh, and its conclusion. Yeah, DC like. And I, I'm someone who likes it. You know, you and I have read comics long enough that we're very familiar with what a multiverse is. Yeah. It's how we got Power Girl and Supergirl because one's from an alternate reality and got stuck. But Power Girl, Earth 2. Yeah. They've changed their origin again recently in, in comics. You know, the thing, and she's going by a different name. I think, she, I think she's now Paige. I'm pretty sure that's her new name. Power Girl is Paige. She's got telepathic abilities. Anyway, it's a whole thing. It's what they're currently... Oh, I'm still keeping up with DC Comics. It's what they're doing at the moment. Yeah. The super family yeah. has grown. Yeah. But just with multiple Earths and everything else, 
I think a lot of people will think more Marvel than DC if you're just going off the films. But if you're going from the comics, and that's where everything starts, 1961, The Flash of Two Earths. That's when Barry Allen met Jay Garrick, The Flash, Earth One, Earth Two. It started there in 1961. 1985 is when we got Crisis on the Infinite Earths, and that's where we just all exploded. All these because the multiversal, yeah, because they had a whole line of other comics where you had had multiple Superman. There was a Superman when he was like older, and he's a Golden Age Superman, yeah, editor. Of the newspaper, you had I one think, where he was a yeah. actual TV reporter, not a not a newspaper reporter. Uh, they had the one that's where we got Huntress from initially, because there's the universe where Batman married Catwoman and their daughter was the Huntress. I mean, that's her too, Helena Wayne. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but that was all, from all that's of that. A, yeah, that's that's because that was the 30s characters in the 60s. They had come up with a way to continue to write both. And like you said, that's why you got to 85 and you had a crisis on Infinite Earths. I don't think Marvel started. Marvel only did like their what ifs. And that was just like a, oh, we had this idea, like, you know, like an alternate history kind of thing. And it's just yeah. a touch upon thing. It wasn't a big thing for them until. I don't even want to say the 80s because they did alternate timelines, not alternate universes. That's where we got like Days of Future Past and stuff. I don't want to. Th- maybe it was late, maybe late 80s. They started doing like, oh yeah, there's another universe, and in that one, this guy's that. But it was yeah, it's mainly been a DC thing, not a Marvel thing. But the point being, though, they've both done it. Yeah, <laughs> like they really, really done it. So just knowing that the Flash was coming out very soon after the release, this fourth and final season, and then we're seeing the multiverse and they're having nods to other films and TV shows, and it's like, I mean, they've done it again. Like, we got Crisis on Infinite Earths, the Arrowverse crossover, five-part crossover, which was excellent, really was, but I feel like we've done it. I've enjoyed it. We've done it. But this show does come to an end. The 12th episode, the season four finale, Titans Forever, I mean, misleading title because they all but disband. You end up with just Dick and Corey. But we've Brother Blood at full power and Connor left in critical condition because he is pretty much left for dead in the penultimate episode. The Titans then join forces to find and defeat Sebastian once and for all. So heroes prevail. They get together for dinner and... They all go their their separate ways, and that's where that's where the show ends. Yeah, and it's strange. Raven didn't feel necessary for something that seemed like so, such a personal storyline for her. She spent a lot of it on the sidelines. She loses power. She gets them back. They're not quite the same. She's in white for some reason. Yep. <laughs> uh, the. Like Tim uh, Drake has a lot of character development. Um, he has a love interest as well, which is like the tech guy from Star Labs who is introduced early. Um, Superboy is probably the most Beast Boy had the most satisfying story arc the season. Well, again, that's because the actor took control of that. Yeah, uh, Superboy was did the most interesting for me. I really like. 
him steering into the Luther stuff. It was because when and I read it as he tried to be Superman, tried to fight a magic person, which is a no-no if you're a Kryptonian, it's one of your major weaknesses, and gets hurt and is like, it doesn't work for me being Superman. I'm gonna try and be Lex, like and win it that way, which makes sense to me as well. Someone who's trying to prove themselves because he's like taken a a a, a hit, like he's feeling like shame and like uh you know he wants to win bun back over because his confidence is taking a massive hit and he feels like uh he's failed. And then Starfire, it's like oh her prophecy whole thing again. They actually let her fly finally, which is a big bugbear for me in the whole show, <laughs> to be honest. You know, all these characters who can fly, but they don't fly. That always irritates me. It's like, oh, it's a TV budget. I'm like, they figured it out for other I shows. Know, Why know. not this one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jason Todd being fully formed as the Red Hood. Like, thank you. That's great. I think what Karen Walters was a really good Jason Todd. His right level of dickishness, but like. Yeah. Like, you feel like, you know, he can come back. Like, there's some, like, he can be salvaged. He's been um, a highlight every time he's appeared, and he, you know, he has been a bit of a dick and he's been annoying, but that's the character. He's yeah. definitely been a highlight in the show. And the costumes have always looked fantastic. That's although Nightwing is not the face masks. I'm okay uh, with the face mask. It's it's too it's, bulky. The fact that Nightwing Nightwing yeah, is too bulky. bulky. I mean, I, I guess. You know, the act is pretty armored. big anyway. Yeah, so that it definitely adds to it. Again, Robin looks fantastic. All the Robin costumes, you know, Dick, Jason, Tim, all the Robin costumes look great. I like what they're doing with Beast Boy, Comic Accurate. He's got the green uh, tiger paw on his yeah. on his shoulder. Yeah, so the costumes do look good, but Nightwing's a bit bulky. They they really yeah. got the look of Titans in this show. That's something across all four seasons they did really well. Yeah, the only uh, ones they didn't really do well was Starfire's leotard thing never looked good to me. I would have preferred they just... I thought it was better when she was just wearing the jacket and jeans. <laughs> I would have preferred yeah. that she went into battle with that because of her, her powers. She doesn't really need armor. Um, and the, the weird white Raven stuff, um, never looked convincing to me. I'm like, it was a weird choice a white version of yeah. a black costume. Like it's just, I get what the, costume. yeah, I get what they're going for. Like she's, yeah, like she's been cleansed yeah. of the like evil influence. I'm like, yeah, there you go. But, she wears uh, white. It makes sense. I guess. <laughs> yeah. For a TV show, show, it makes sense of like, oh, she's like gone through her little like duck night of the soul kind of thing and she's come out like renewed on the other side but the character the darkness is a fundamental part of the character it's what the gem is it's the gem in the forehead that's like the part of trigon's power that like <laughs> but you know it, it is what it is um jinx we didn't mention she was great um played by lisa amber lavama uh does she uh she has another costume that looks a bit. I uh, just saying the jeans and denim, like the, the t-shirt and denim, like you. I don't believe someone who is essentially a thief, 
slash like villain needs a costume. Like the the grounded nature of her like knocking around works without it. Also, they name drop Constantine so many times, and no Matt Ryan in the show. I'm like, guys, come on. Yeah, you've gone with like, the. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's interesting. The, the Neil you've Gaiman, gone, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you've not gone with Constantine. Constantine. We get Constantine, Jenna Coleman, a different Constantine. She's an ancestor, yeah. isn't she? In the she's Sandman supposed to be, Yeah, show. she's supposed to be, instead of using Matt Ryan or that version, they're like, you know what, let's just change it up. It doesn't always have to be a guy. Um, And she, I thought she was good in the role. But yeah. But you're right. Same checked. I think. I think he says just because. Does Dick Grayson keep saying Constantine? I think that's why I've pronounced it that I, way. I think. Yeah. I think. Oh, okay. Is that how they do it as well? Yeah. Um. So I was like that because I'm like, but it's still Matt Ryan, get him in there. You, even if it's a voice call, did you get that stuff I sent you? Like. Yeah. I don't. I hate, and it's always been a pet peeve of mine for shows. You know, for the Arrowverse and stuff, they've eventually started showing these people. Don't name drop a person and then don't show them me. Like, that's... Yeah. It just I takes mean, one thing. We do actually... I mean, I talked about, you know, with the cameos, it's... We're seeing clips from their shows, but we do actually get a scene with Breck Bessinger. So she's back as Courtney Whitmore, Stargirl. So maybe yeah. they could have had Matt Ryan, Constantine, or like I say, even if it was just his voice if he just called them or yeah. something or I don't know, maybe when you're talking magic and DC, you do think you do think Constantine, you know, apparently the idea if star girl got another season, because that show has also ended. If he got another season, Ryan Potter was going to be in it as beast boy. He was going to be a character, not necessarily throughout the whole season, but he was going to be in it. And then there was other um, crossovers that were planned, you know, with Titans, Superman and Lois, you know, they're all these big plans. But, you know, there's been that big shakeup at DC. Uh, Superman and Lois has had a fourth season greenlit. There's more Harley Quinn, the animated series coming. But pretty much everything else has come to a standstill. And, of course, this show as well, the fourth and final season. So if you're going to rate it out of five, you want to come in at a three, uh, especially if, if you've gone through your first three seasons, finish it off. They do the actors, uh, especially the Titans. And it is, you know, we raved on and on and on about um, the uh, active played Lex Luthor. They do great stuff and you do get your, uh, your ending, which happens so rarely with the TV show, especially of this nature, usually there's just like, uh, it just ends kind of like with a whimper. Um, it's just, those are the, the critiques I have of the, the long, the tip, those 12 episodes that they had to fill. And they, it feels like they were stretching it out a bit, um, which, and the lack of, um, uh, every cast member getting a full story. Dick Grayson doesn't need one. He's had them from previous seasons, so he's Brendan Waits is good as he is. Same with Starfire; they didn't need more character development. But I just feel Raven, especially, was underserved. Um, and 
the lack of other cameos, like uh, from past cast members, um, the ones that hadn't been killed off. Um, talking, looking at you, Hawk, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> yeah. Dove. Uh, but yeah, three out of five uh, sets are reused because I guess they didn't want to spend anything extra on a show that wasn't going on to another season. So there's a lot of reusing those star sets and that temple set that they use over and over again. Um, but the costumes are great. Everyone's acting's on point. Um, some hitting higher bars than others. And I appreciate the cameos and the introduction of some of the DC law they hadn't gotten around to, but it's, it's just a bit long in the tooth in terms of the episode count. How about yourself? Yeah, just like you, I'm going to come in at a three out of five. It is a recommend, and especially if you have seen the other three seasons, it is it is a good show. It's a darker take on the DC Universe. You know, we knew that from that first trailer for season one. But, you know, it is also a lot of fun. And as gritty and as real as it can feel at times, we do get a giant Trigon, Brother Blood is in here. So it is very much a comic book show. And again, with strong influences from the Jeff Johns era of Teen Titans, which I really like. So yeah, it is a recommend. Uh, three out of five. Well, that's it for our episode, all about Titans season four. If you'd like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.